0: an X is sexier than a Z
1: like like Z you think an X is sexier than a Z well that's just because of the association no one yeah. no one's like oh just you see this movie it's I hear it's real triple Z material <laughs> that just sounds like it's gonna be bad
0: yeah triple X versus triple Z is can yeah. we get real Randy I'm gonna get real snorry. <laughs>
1: Speaking of snoring, I read about this guy, James Joyce. Well,
0: let's take it back. (laughs) Thank you and welcome for tuning in to the Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band Good Time podcast. The only podcast that identifies, biographies, signifies all the figures on the Beatles' 1967 album, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Today, we're talking about James Joyce. J.J. He has a middle name, doesn't he?
1: Tell me what you know. James Aloysius Joyce. He was uh, one of the most influential authors of the 20th century. I feel like we say that about a lot of people, but uh, this is according to multiple sources.
0: I feel like it's true.
1: He was born February 2nd, 1882 in Rathgar, Dublin, Ireland. He was the oldest of his nine other siblings to survive infancy, and that is a qualifier.
0: (laughs) And that's just the ones that (laughs) survived infancy. Yeah.
1: During most of his early life, his parents were destitute because of his father's drinking and money spending. Despite that, he did very well in school, eventually going to university college in Dublin where he studied languages. He was a big fan of Henrik Ibsen and learned Norwegian so he could read his play When We Dead Awaken. He learned he learned Norwegian just to be able to read that play. He was barely 18 when his review of it came out. It was published in the London Fortnightly Review and this helped convince him that he was on the right career path, the fact that he was getting notoriety for his uh for his movie
0: reviews. Did he write it in Norwegian also? For an um, audience?
1: I don't remember. I didn't think that was as
0: important. Oh, I doubt it. I'm sure it was for his.
1: He did learn to. He did. I feel like reading and writing are two different things, though, you know. Mm-hmm. He wrote short stories, novels, poems, and bits of prose, which he called epiphanies because they were written about moments where he'd have a revelation about someone or
0: something. So aptly,
1: aptly named. He's better known as a novelist, though. Everyone's read Ulysses. Or um, did
0: they lie that they said they read it? Yeah. I didn't read it. I didn't read it either. I'll be honest.
1: I just said that because I feel like it's obvious that not everybody has read it, and I was being a bit facetious. He loved writing about Dublin. Uh, he was. He, this is a quote. He said, For myself, I always write about Dublin, because if I can get to the heart of Dublin, I can get to the heart of the cities of the world. That's very cute. In 1930, he was married to Nora Barnacle. They met in 1904, but they didn't get married until 1930. They had a son together named Giorgio and a daughter named Lucia. And there's a movie about Nora. It's called Nora, and it stars Susan Lynch and Ewan McGregor as Nora and James, respectively. Also, if you're lucky, sometimes at auctions you can buy sexually explicit letters that they used to send each other. One of them was sold for 240,800 pounds, which is over 309,000 U.S. It's a lot. Just to read some of their... Yeah, some of their uh, sexting messages. James Joyce died on January 13th, 1941 after falling into a coma during an operation on a perforated ulcer in his small intestine. He was 58 years old. But yeah, he seemed like a cool dude. Um. Who do you think chose him? James Joyce. Uh, well, I feel like Paul McCartney's the only one that reads regular books. Uh, George is into Indian gurus, so he's reading a lot of like religious and spiritual texts. I think Ringo reads Archie comics. <laughs> And uh, sometimes the funnies. And I think that John Lennon just looks at paintings. I
0: feel like John Lennon's more of the uh, uh, William S. Burroughs sort of type of writing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just like cut up a bunch of words and throw them in the air. Yeah, And that, pick them that up that one too. at a time and that's a sentence. Just real abspra- abstract
1: abstract abstract was a good abstract real abstract bullshit uh that you know he doesn't have to be able to explain that's the kind of guy i think Lennon is the ab- the more abstract the better because who's gonna tell him he's wrong who do you think picked him?
0: probably paul yeah yeah Probably Paul. Also, uh, like we said in the beginning, get your album out. And if you're looking at it, you might be wondering where in the heck he is. Because all we get on the cover is pretty much just his gray hair. That's really all you get. You you don't even get eyebrows. Let me see this. Yeah, it's like just his forehead. So it's also questionable that it even is him. We're going with it that it is. So we've had a lot of authors now. We've had, like I said, Burroughs. We've had Poe. We've had H.G. Wells. And that's just off the top of my head. I'm sure the other ones were as well. But those are the ones that stand out to me. We're almost done with the season. Yeah, I know it's crazy.
1: I feel like we just started it. Well, it
0: was a longer one
1: too. Were there more people on the second row than the first row? Oh,
0: absolutely. By uh four. Four more people. And we and we uh you know, hit the brakes a little bit for these last four. Doing one at a time for whatever reason. I like the reason, though. Yeah, it's, I feel like it's a smoother
1: ride. It's more yeah, like an NPR. Yeah, we're in cruise NPR. control now.
0: Yeah. We, we, we've been uh, speeding along the highway. Honey, I want it my way. Yeah. And we uh, just like the weather here in Cleveland, Ohio. Also, uh, let's not forget to say where we are here in Cleveland, Ohio. Gold Golden Ox. Studios in Tremont. Studios in Tremont. It's, the cameras are closer than they've ever been.
1: Yeah, they keep getting closer. You can't, sometimes it feels like they move when you look away. I can tell that they're zoomed in on me, even though I can't see the lens clearly. I just know.
0: I know when it's zoomed in. It's been a little while since we've been here, too. I think, uh, I don't know if it's been weeks or months or, you know, time's weird. You know what?
1: You know what this studio could use?
0: A taxidermy ox. Just the fate Just the like. I don't think the whole ox would fit in here. Oh, I think it would. It would take up some space, but it would definitely be a statement. (laughs) Oh, oh, excuse me. Just got. I just got to. Just gonna skirt by here. Just gonna get behind you. And you can get an ox. Gold leaf. And spray paint it gold. Oh,
1: yeah, or you could just spray paint. I was going to say get gold leaf and just, like, smother it all over it <laughs> until it crinkles apart.
0: Then it's just gold shavings on the bottom. Yeah. Underneath it. Damn, we don't have a third guest today. I mean, we always do. We don't have a fourth guest, but our third guest should, uh, should be introduced while we were setting it up. I was thinking do we really want May West to talk to James Joyce? I don't know. We still can. What do you think about that?
1: No, I feel like Edgar Allan Poe would have a better conversation with James Joyce. Poe and Joyce? Yeah.
0: yeah. I I I listened to that. But in the meantime I did uh give a prompt to our to our friend ChatGPT. I told it to write us a short story about Sergeant Pepper. Uh, himself uh, in the style of James Joyce, and I gave it a whole cast of characters. So we'll see what that does with it, and uh, I told him uh, how to finish it off. All right, I'm excited. So we'll maybe go p- paragraph by paragraph on this, and then we'll do some uh, some Poe, and then we'll switch out the Joyce, and we'll uh, patch on the old the old buttocks, and I don't you get know on with your any of that means.
1: I feel like everything that you just said was a colloquialism from a different place.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Amidst the tapestries of time, Sergeant Pepper's forlorn visage stood resolute a sentinel of the ceaseless parade of existence. His piercing eyes held the secrets of Alistair Crowley's incantations, whispered among the nocturnal mysteries of bohemian haunts. May West's sultry laughter echoed through the corridors of his memory. A siren's call beckoned toward forbidden pleasures.
1: Lenny Bruce's words flowed like a torrential stream, mingling with the timeless wit of W.C. Fields. And there, in the shadowed alcoves, Edgar Allan Poe's raven still croaked its melancholic verse, while Fred Astaire danced with grace across the ballroom of Sergeant Pepper's thoughts.
0: Bob Dylan's folk melodies resonated with the murmurs of Tony Curtis weaving tales of love and longing. Dion's voice carried the rhythm of the streets, Symphony of souls seeking connection, and in the flicker of a candle's glow, Marilyn Monroe's beauty cast a gentle glow upon the canvas of Sergeant Pepper's musings. Laurel and Hardy's slapstick
1: antics danced in tandem with Karl Marx's philosophic ponderings, a harmonious clash of laughter and ideology. And through the gears of H.G. Wells's time machine, Sergeant Pepper glimpsed the ebb and flow of generations, a continuum of change and consistency.
0: Yet, as the vignettes of these luminaries intermingled with his reverie, the crescendo of their existence was but a prelude. For in the mosaic of Sergeant Pepper's thoughts, their voices converged and harmonized resonating with a melody that would soon transform the world.
1: The Beatles emerged from the tapestry, their youthful energy and creativity blazing a trail through the annals of history. With every strum of a guitar, every beat of a drum, they forged a connection that transcended time and space, touching the hearts of
0: generations. And just as, Sergeant... Pepper's journey seemed destined for its closing cadence. A shadow fell upon his reverie. A figure cloaked in mystery known only as Anonymous materialized on the horizon of his thoughts. A shrouded enigma, Anonymous, bore the weight of untold stories and concealed truths. A presence that defied comprehension.
1: As Sergeant Pepper's contemplations wove around Anonymous, questions stirred in the depths of his being. Who was this figure, and what secrets did they hold? What tales of wonder and intrigue were yet to be unraveled? The precipice of anticipation loomed, and the tapestries of Sergeant Pepper's musings
0: swirled with newfound uncertainty. And so, dear reader and dear listener, as the echoes of history reverberate and the enigma of anonymous beckons, we stand at the cusp of revelation and mystery. The symphony of existence plays on, its chords resonating through the corridors of time as Sergeant Pepper's journey carries us forward into the ever-unfolding narrative of existence. Funny I should mention anonymous because, well, that's next week's episode.
1: Yeah, we need to find out who that hairdresser's uh, dummy. Where did that come from?
0: Who's hairdresser?
1: Oh, well, I'm assuming it was HG uh, Wells's,
0: right? His hair was fine. Probably the came Beatles out of had that. Great hair didn't it, didn't
1: we didn't we decide that the hairdresser's dummy came out of that trunk?
0: well, you need a trunk, you need a trunk big enough for a person, and a hairdresser's dummy is oh. the size of a person, so
1: so the hairdresser's dummy
0: I think it's a suspect to buy a trunk big enough for a person you know buying a coffin without it you know what do you need this for? Well, let me just buy a hairdresser dummy and then we got the got the case so we can do our time travel. And, uh, well, we got this hairdresser dummy lying around. May as well put her on the cover. Maybe they had to... uh, Maybe some of the
1: random stuff is just there to replace the figures that weren't able to be on the cover.
0: Quite possibly.
1: Like Gandhi and Hitler. Maybe they just, for every Gandhi and Hitler, you get another Shirley Temple.
0: Or another hairdresser dummy. Yeah. It's going to be a can of worms. We're going to sprinkle on. I don't know how you sprinkle on a can of worms. Sprinkle a can of worms. I don't o- know what you would sprinkle on the can of worms. Some tahini, maybe. Wash it down with some. Sergeant Pepper worms, Seltzer.
1: Did worms used to come in cans? In the beginning.
0: How would you keep them alive? Yeah, it's a terrible. That's like a. Yeah, no one puts worms in a can. Because no
1: anytime w- you ever see a can of worms opening up, they're always squirming around on the top.
0: And then, like a can of whoopass. How do you put the whoopass in a can? Uh
1: easy. You just uh, anything. Anything that says Hormel on the front is going (laughs) to whoop your ass.
0: Dan, if you'd be my po, I'll do James, and I—I right. don't have a very good Irish accent. Yeah, mine's not. Mine's not great either. But i uh, will uh, gonna preface it with that, and I don't mean to offend anyone. This is, of course, on um, this dialogue is fictional, and this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. In a dimly lit parlor,
1: the spirits of literature's past converged. With my raven perched nearby, I engaged in an intellectual tete-a-tete with James Joyce. Surprisingly, our topic was not the macabre or the cryptic, but the mundane realm of canned
0: goods. Indeed, Mr. Poe, the modern age has introduced us... To the curious phenomenon of canned substance, what peculiar beings we are to encase our nourishment in metal prisons.
1: Ah, uh, yes, my dear Joyce, canned goods, a product of our industrial era, encapsulate sustenance and suspended in time, much like a tale suspended between the pages of a manuscript. They offer a prepackaged experience, much like the narrative awaiting the reader's gaze.
0: Quite so, Mr. Poe, but don't they lend a touch of absurdity to life? Peas and peaches ensnared within tin confines, yearning for liberation. It's akin to our existence itself, wouldn't you agree?
1: Truly, my friend, absurdity is the essence of our existence. The interplay between the mundane and the uncanny. Our narratives are intertwined with the strange, the enigmatic.
0: You speak wisdom, Mr. Poe. In the mundane and the bizarre, we find our most profound revelations. At this point, a mysterious figure emerges from the shadows, casting an eerie presence in the room.
1: And who might you be? A phantasm of curiosity, Joining our discourse?
0: Gentlemen of letters, your musings traverse time like threads in a tapestry. Amid discussions of the ordinary and the bizarre, remember that the most enigmatic often lie within the intricacies of history. Ah, oh, the space between that is known as what remains hidden, the true heart of the enigma.
1: Caw, even my raven concurs. Speak on, mysterious presence. Share with us the secrets
0: you bear. As your words persist through the ages, remember that the most erudite minds are but whispers in the grand chorus of existence. In this moment, Poe and James exchange knowing glances, their thoughts interwining like spectral wisps. A veil of enigma
1: shrouds you, Anonymous. Anonymous. Hinting at tales untold, mysteries concealed, a promise of revelations yet to come.
0: Indeed, the veil between the known and the unknown, where the heart of true intrigue resides. And so, in that parlor where the ethereal met the intellectual, Poe and James stood on the brink of revelation. The echoes of their words mingled with the enigma of Anonymous. Anonymous. figure who held within his shroud from the narratives that could reshape their perceptions of time and truth. Well, I don't think he was going to be in that. What was that story about?
1: Man, the AI is really good at analogies. It explained how canned food is the same as like a trash magazine. <laughs> how so? Disposable prepackaged
0: garbage.
1: Yeah. The pages of a manuscript. You
0: didn't say a good manuscript. Yeah, I didn't say a bad one either. Like it's just a just eternal it's just a snapshot. Yeah. Like this is what the worms were like then. You know, when when they were canned. Yeah, that's really good. My raven agrees.
1: Did you tell it to make an analogy between uh, between non-perishable canned goods and... Uh, so, no. So, like, people say that AI is theft, but also... We just had Edgar Allan Poe talk about canned goods, and he made that real macabre comparison between, like, writing the pages of a manuscript and trapping them between the binding, and how the animals are in a metal prison. The manuscript <laughs> who was that stolen from? Did someone else talk about how canned goods were like trapping things in prisons? It's a trap. No. There's no way No way That's very specific
0: Dan who would we replace James Joyce with James Joyce Also all we have of him is his forehead Well then Quentin Tarantino Because if he was
1: in that picture That's all you'd be able to see too That's all you can see when you look at any picture Of Quentin Tarantino is his forehead Or Kelsey Grammer those are both good I feel like Kelsey Grammer would be a good James Joyce What's another connection there? What's that another he's, connection? Uh, yeah he Pretentious
0: he isn't right He did not right
1: though Drunk I don't know if I don't know if James Joyce was a big drinker though His father was mm-hmm. But I think James Joyce drank a lot too
0: Tarantino's more of a writer Mm-hmm. Then, grammar. Kelsey grammar, that is. Yeah. He uses grammar. I like Quentin. All right. Quentin- Plus, Tarantino's- I like that
1: you can't see his face on the picture. Mm hmm. Uh, no one even has to know it's Tarantino.
0: But yeah, next week, please join us, won't you, to talk about Anonymous, a.k.a. a hair dresser's dummy. It's going to be more interesting than it sounds.